Are you ready to accelerate the growth of your business? Welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. This is the place for business owners, sales leaders, and marketing professionals to get ideas and inspiration to drive exponential revenue growth. Each week, you'll get actionable insights from the world's leading marketing and sales thought leaders and practitioners. Are you ready to grow? Let's join our host, Daryl Amy, author of Revenue Growth Engine. Welcome back to the Revenue Growth Podcast on the C-Suite Radio Network. Daryl Amy here, growth architect, helping great companies grow revenue. You know, in today's uncertain economy, right now, I believe it's more important than ever to be able to clearly articulate value. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into how to create and communicate value, and I think you're going to get a lot out of this discussion. Before we do, I want to say a huge thank you to all of you who are sharing the podcast with your friends and colleagues. You know, whether you own a business, run a sales team, or lead a marketing group, we have one thing in common. We need to build strategies and systems to grow revenue. Our coworkers depend on it. Our communities depend on it. And I believe even our country depends on our ability to drive and thrive. And as a member of the C-Suite Radio Network, the Revenue Growth Podcast is dedicated to bringing you actionable ideas to help you recover and grow your revenue. Coming up this week, I'm excited to be presenting at the EOS Virtual Conference, a gathering of companies that use the traction methodology. At this event, I'll be talking about how to reset and hit growth goals. This is something very important for all of us to be doing right now. And if you're at the conference, I look forward to virtually seeing you. If you'd like a complimentary ticket to my session, just message me and I'll make sure to get you access. Now today, we're going to talk about value with my new friend, Mark Boundy. Mark is the author of the book, Radical Value. He's a fellow member of the C-Suite Advisors team. And most of all, he's passionate about helping companies understand and articulate their value proposition. I believe you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. So grab a notepad, grab a pen, and let's join my conversation with Mark. Mark, welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. It is so good to have you here today. Man, uh, Daryl, I'm really excited to be able to talk with you. Um, every time we've talked, it's kind of been a, a mind meld and we get each other wound up <laughs> because we're, we're such kindred spirits. So I'm really excited to, to have a great time with you today. Yeah, you know, it, it was so cool when we first met, which was just over a month ago. It had to be, uh, it was right before you couldn't travel. We were both at the, the uh, Sales 3.0 conference and it, uh, when we, we sat down and we started talking with each other about the topic of value, it was, it was kind of like old friends that had come together that, you know, hadn't seen each other in 20 years. We just like clicked right yeah. into it. We're, you're such a kindred spirit in terms of, of value. And by the way, congratulations on the book, Radical Value. Uh, first Thank of all, you. a great title. And, uh, I love, I've started reading through this book. It's fantastic. Well, thanks. I, um, it was a long time coming and it ended up launching you know, right now for anybody listening. Uh, we're recording this in like three week, week three or week four of, of COVID lockdown. Right. Yes. And so, Isn't it funny? A right? time stamp on everything right now. This yeah, is like, so, so a lot of your listeners are going to hear this well after the fact, but yeah, um, this book launched into that environment right when like a week before every, the world locked down 
And it turns out that what happened in that COVID lockdown was the value of everything sold changed, right? Mm -hmm. Air, airfares, the perceived risk went up. Cruise ships, the, the perceived risk went up, which means the value went down. Uh, but your Amazon Prime membership was worth more. Even yeah. though it wasn't priced higher. And, right, <laughs> right. and Grubhub went, was worth more. And if you were a domestic manufacturer um, and could still manufacture without the long supply chain uh, with something you were sourcing from China, the value suddenly went up, even though your mm -hmm. prices, your product, nothing changed, the value went up. So yeah, the book talks about what is your value and understanding your value and and understanding what your value is now and uncovering that and, and helping your customer realize it. And um, so it's, it was a really timely launch date in spite of the years it took to write. Well, it is interesting. Um, and maybe something we'll get to talk about in the course of the podcast is how value has shifted and probably will shift. And, you know, we've been, been talking about how part of our job right now as um, as our good friend Jeffrey Hazlett says, we've got to drive and thrive, right? As we're moving forward, we're looking to the future and, and forecasting the message, the value that we're going to be able to bring to clients going forward. Um, those things have shifted and you're, you're exactly right. I would pay $1,000 for my Amazon Prime account right now, yeah. uh, you know, because it's so valuable to me. But, you know, as we get started, uh, we, <laughs> this concept of value, I, it just brings me back uh, to the old days when I used to do solutions training and I walk in the room and I'd have a bunch of, you know, crusty salespeople there. And I would say, how many of you like gross profit? Cause they're all paid on profit. Right. And yeah. I could walk into a room full of business owners as well and go, how many of you like gross profit? Right. Uh, and everyone would say, yes. Okay. Well, great. Well, where does profit come from? And I always said the equation is really simple. Value add equals gross profit or value perceived equals gross profit. And it's so funny that that's such a simple, like that's day one of business school in some yeah. ways. Yet, I think we get so absorbed in what we're doing and so absorbed in um, the pressures of business that sometimes we just need to get back to basics. Boy, Daryl, couldn't, couldn't agree more. I worked at some of the biggest, most bureaucratic companies in the world. And um, I used to get snarky sometime and really frustrated. And I used to say, you know what we believe here, anything worth doing is worth overcomplicating. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> and w as businesses, we, we really get down into self, you know, overanalyzing things. And we forget that business at its heart, the purpose of every business Mm -hmm. is to create more value for your customer than it costs you to produce. And it's as simple as, as that, but then it gets complicated. Now that you've produced the value, do you know how to charge the price for it? And, and right. what is that value? If you produce that value and your customer doesn't realize it, how do you have a conversation with the customer to get them to realize it? Because um, what you do for a customer only counts if they realize it. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, value is something that only exists in your customer's mind. That's really, uh, that's really an interesting statement because, um, you know, if I've got my marketing hat on, I'm like, well, I, I determine the value, right? If I have my sales hat on, 
it's uh, well, I've, I'm determining, I'm communicating the value, but yet you say that value really is more to do with the client than than anyone else. It, unpack that for us. Well, value only has something to do with what's the client. If you're in marketing, you can communicate value, but it only matters if it landed and took root and grew inside your customer's brain. Um, I have this real disdain for the, the idea that there's such a thing as a magic pitch, right? If I just do the right wordsmithing and like say at the right time, uh, everything will be great and I'll, you know, I'll make millions. That is, that's lazy thinking. Uh, there is no perfect pitch because every set of ears that that pitch lands on is different and every set of experience inside those those years so marketing's job is to try to find some message that is kind of the big runner the most likely to at least get you a, the salespeople an appointment mm -hmm. and it's sales job right so think of marketing as the, the the carpet bombers who go in before and prepare for the actual house to house combat Mm -hmm. Right, because it's it's soul to soul sales is soul to soul brain to brain combat. Yeah, uh, where you're trying to get something to happen inside the customer's brain because they won't buy unless they think it's worth it. Right, and it's it's actually more fundamental than that. A a person isn't even going to click on your great marketing link, you know, the, your hyperlink unless they think it's worth their time. We don't click on a 15 second cat video unless the picture looks funny <laughs> enough or the title looks funny enough to be worth our 15 seconds. Right. So we don't accept a, a meeting invite from a salesperson unless we have faith that it's gonna be a worthwhile investment of our time. So forget that we're gonna buy if it's value. We don't even invest our time to click a link, get a sales call, read a proposal, respond to a friend request on LinkedIn. Yeah. Unless we think it's going to be worthwhile. Boy, I, that is just so true. And I just, I was thinking earlier today, there's a company that I'm, I'm following. I'm actually considering becoming one of their, their users clients for my business. And they sent me an email today and it was this self-congratulatory email about how they'd been in business for 30 years and they wanted to celebrate. And I was just thinking, I, it, 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 it was so funny because as I was deleting it, <laughs> as, <laughs> but seriously, as I was deleting it, I was, it just like it, it notched him down a rung in my book. Like the email did more, it didn't do like irreparable damage, but it did damage in terms of my opinion because there was no value in that email. And you're absolutely right. It's not just when you put the order in front of somebody to approve that there's got to be value. It goes all the way back to, am I even going to click on the link? Am I going to give you more than one, you know, 10 seconds on the website or am I gone? I mean, every phase of the, we call it the, the buyer experience and the client experience, there's got to be value perceived from the, the person on the other end. Otherwise they're on to the next thing. And, and I think after we come out of COVID, after we come out of lockdown, it's already starting to happen with me and my clients. But as we start coming out of this, that is going to become more important than ever. Mm. Understanding your, the counterparty's value. We, it was kind of happening before, 
Um, but I think we're going to have higher expectations coming mm -hmm. out that people are going to have, I want, they expect you to understand them, their business and mm -hmm. have conversations about them, their business, not the fact that this is your 30th anniversary, um, right. which goes to my definition of value. Exactly. I'm looking forward to hearing this. Um, some people, uh, this, this is somebody else's, I'll start with somebody else's definition to kind of get you in the ballpark. Somebody said it's what people are willing to pay. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, you're willing to pay 30 seconds of your 30 seconds of your time to read a link, 30 minutes of your time for a sales call. And that's kind of close, but it's not really actionable. Right. But when we remember that people don't buy our products or services, they buy their own outcomes from our products and services. They ding, buy ding, the ding, ding, ding. Yes. Right? I'm standing up and cheering if you can if you can see me on video. Yes, they don't buy right? products, they buy outcomes. Yes. And so value is the desirability of the outcomes. Ah, now we're talking. You're speaking okay. my language, Mark. Right? So if if I'm going to be buying from a soft, this software vendor, you're thinking of not only the acquisition cost, the money you're out, but how, uh, how much do you trust them to really deliver on the promises? Right. And so I think of value as one of those old fashioned two pan scales, you know, the, the kind that lady justice has. Yes. Yes. Um, where there's a uh, two bars, you know, a, a long upper bar and two, mm -hmm. two pans hanging from the tips of the bars. And on one side is your price premium because we don't, you don't really care so much about the price as long as you can afford right. it. You care about the difference in price between one option and the second option, which might be mm -hmm. do nothing. It might be, I'm going to go between vendor A or B, but it's the price premium between your option, the best option and the second best option. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, is the value premium what I the outcomes that I get at the cost to after I invest that that cost premium now mm -hmm. that cost premium um, th but the bars and, and on one side the side with price that happens outside your brain you can actually read it on a piece of paper and it's numbers and dollars and it's it's really easy to measure mm -hmm. but the value premium is something that happens inside a customer's head so it's like this LSD dream where everything is, <laughs> everything cha can change. So the length of the bar changes by how much you believe them, how much they trust you, how much the salesperson's credibility. If yeah. the salesperson has no credibility, that bar gets real short. And so the exact same promised value outcome has got to get bigger because I don't really know if I'm going to achieve that. If they really trust you or if they've done business with you before, that bar gets really long because okay. now there's no risk. So what we're saying is, and that noise you just heard was my quarter inch drill bit that just rolled off the table. You know, I'm <laughs> going to bring Theodore Levitt into any discussion. Oh, there you of go. Outcome. But um, he, for those listening in, you know, Theodore Levitt was the guy that said people don't buy the drill bit. They buy the hole, the drill bit. Yeah. makes they don't buy products they buy outcomes but this is really what i think i'm, I'm actually going to go one more uh -huh. if you're married that whole <laughs> I, buys you a good relationship with your wife that's right it does because right? it's gonna no, it, it's, it's not about the whole 
<laughs> no, it always it always goes deeper, which uh, is is uh, yeah. I mean, we did bring Seth Godin into this call for that one, but uh, here here's what I think was fascinating when you drew the uh, the 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 scales of justice and, right. and yeah. And I remember we were standing there at Sales 3.0 in a break, and uh, you flipped over a blank side of a card and you started drawing this out. The price you know, the price differential, the price that's that you're right. It's that's what it is. What fascinated me. And, uh, is it, who is it? Archimedes that said, give me a long enough lever and I'll move the whole world. Right. Yes, exactly. The the extension of the, the lever, the leverage that you have as a sales rep and as a company, if you're looking at it just through a marketing lens, either one is relevant that that leverage is related to the amount of trust that you have. If you have a little bit of trust, it's going to take a lot of perceived value to move the deal. But if you have a lot of trust, if you built that up and established trust with the client, that same amount of, of value has a lot more leverage. And that's that a, concept's so powerful, Mark. And and that's why I, I use you, I explain it that way because there's some people who say, well, people don't buy your products, they buy you. And I disagree, uh, not only because slavery is illegal, but (laughs) but because but because they aren't really buying you. They aren't taking you home with them. You're not their outcome. Right. So what they're buying is their outcome. However, it is super important to remember that the credibility that you've generated is critical. So I'm not I I poop with the fact that they don't buy you, but not but just only from a precision point, the precise, right. the precise effect of your credibility is that people weigh the outcomes more differently. They're still weighing the outcomes, uh, but they aren't walking home with you under their arm. They're walking home with a product or service so that they can get their outcome. Right. Absolutely. But in, in, you know, if I can say the counterpoint on whether they buy you or buy your company or not, the trust is the lever, right? So absolutely, because so I've it, got a factor. You're telling me that I can get a hundred thousand dollars in value if I make this decision. But now, as a buyer, and I think we could all all relate to this, we got to discount that. We're factoring, yeah. you know. Well, what's the likelihood of that actually being true? You have a high trust relationship. You don't have to discount that value as much. You have a low trust, and then you have low probability of value. You're going to really yeah. struggle. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And that's why I really kind of insist that credibility is the length of the arm, not, yeah. what's, in, not what's on the scale. Because mm-hmm. if you have super high trust, no matter how much they like, trust and appreciate and adore mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. if you're not offering them any value, you still won't get a sale, no matter yes. how well they trust you. So it makes the, long, the arm longer and longer, but if there's mm-hmm. nothing in the scale, you still don't have a deal. Right. So I I want you to, as important as it is to build relationships, Mm -hmm. if you build relationships, but haven't talked to them about their outcomes, you're still going to fail. Right. And this is so powerful. We talk about it by, uh, I'm the co-host of the Selling from the Heart podcast with my good friend, Larry Levine. And we talk all the time about the power of authenticity being two factors Yes, there's authentic relationship, and that's where the trust and credibility comes from. And but that has to the other side of the trust coin is authentic value. 
Like there's got to be, you've got to bring the goods. And yeah. in the case of, of what we're talking about, um, and this is where you, you and I are, are in such alignment on this is that, um, you know, the value, what clients value are the outcomes that your product or service delivers, not the product or service itself. And so one of the things, Mark, that I've noticed is maybe, maybe the highest, um, we're using the word leverage today, the highest leverage area for a lot of sales teams is actually just simply improving their business acumen, their ability to understand their client's business. Because I can't articulate an outcome if I don't understand business and your yeah. business. I see a big smile on your face yeah. right now. Yeah, there's there's a whole yeah, there's a whole been a whole for the last year, couple a year to three years, there's been this whole thing about having perspective and, and yeah. giving in insight selling and perspective mm-hmm. selling. Mm-hmm. And the sad truth is you can't have insights into something you don't understand. It's so true. And I think and you know so, for- yeah I I actually part of my book is is talking about business acumen and mm-hmm. you know, Microsoft actually buys their enterprise salespeople an MBA. They've created a, a custom MBA program that is a legit MBA. It's just yeah. one you can you can work on in the evenings with teams of, of cohorts. So you're learning the same stuff. They've just structured it to be something that uh, a working professional can achieve in uh, a reasonable yeah. period of time. So I have a funny so, story to tell. To when, when those Microsoft folks are selling software, they aren't selling software. No, no one wants to buy they're software. Selling, they're, they're going to a C-suite executive and they better be able to talk about business outcomes and have an insightful, meaningful business conversation because you spend too much on a, on a piece of enterprise software and the risk on that enterprise software is horrendous. 50% of uh, big software sales fail to meet any of their objectives. Yeah. And every executive knows that. So you better be able to lengthen the arm and develop some trust and mm-hmm. say, we can do this. Um, and you can't do that if you can't have a meeting, if you can't talk executive language, you're sunk. That's so true. It reminded me, Mark, of a couple of years ago, I got asked to, to rebuild uh, sales training solutions, sales training for a global technology company. And so here's the funny part of the story. So it was all about, you know, typical um, cycle of discovery and and all of that. And um, one of the things that I put in the two and a half day training module was a 30 minute session on how to read financial statements, P&L balance sheet, just basic stuff. Right. And I remember as I got ready to roll the pilot out, this large, large organization, um, to a fault, everyone that was reviewing the pilot program before we delivered it said, hey, Daryl, our salespeople don't need training on how to read a financial statement. And I said, just trust me, just trust me. And so I somehow, you know, talked them into leaving that. When we got done with the pilot and we ran the surveys, the top in the top three of every survey was thank you for teaching me how to read a financial statement. Like, business 101, right? Yeah. And, and I walked away and that, that feedback was universal as they rolled it out across their global sales force. And the, the lesson there was, and this is so critical for business owners and sales leaders, don't assume your salespeople understand business. Yeah. Don't assume I, that. Yeah. I actually have a half day 
uh, business acumen course. Beautiful. And I, I only give financial statements half an hour, 45 minutes, because here's, here's my experience. You know, I was in commercial real estate finance. So I'm really good at reading financial statements. I can do a full set of ratio analysis in my head. I can look at a business and say they're in trouble and that one's okay. So take it from me. I can find operational problems in a company, some operational problems in a company from looking, just looking at their financial statements, but you've got to be really good at understanding financial statements before you can read through them to find an operational problem. Right. They are meant to discuss your financial health, not your operational health. Yes. So as important as they are, there's other stuff that's more important. Reading the notes in the financial statements, reading the yes. discussion. Yes. For a salesperson, those are actually more important than understanding the numbers. Because as soon as you read the numbers, now you have to read their numbers in comparison to a peer company. Right, 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 right. And now you have to be able to convert that into where they are in relationship to, to break even. And that can be done in 45 minutes. But uh, teaching people to read the, the notes and the financial statements, the pros, yeah. the footnotes, uh, Warren Buffett says that the footnotes are more important than the numbers. <laughs> that's right. And that's the, you know, I, I look at salespeople right now, and I think this applies to my friends in marketing as well, is as for every book you read in your trade, in whether it's sales or marketing, you should also read a book in business or read something related to the types of clients that yeah. you're going after. And, and that's the, you know, I think as we wrap up today, that's a huge takeaway on this is if you want, you know, on the, on the, the value side of the scales of justice, right? if you want to simultaneously extend the lever and build trust and also clearly articulate value, spend a lot of time learning about their business and business in general so you can have that, uh, so you can actually add value. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. Uh, think of what goes on the value side of the scale of justice. Mm-hmm. And the more of their business that you know, the more things you can plop on there. Right. Because what will happen is they know some of what their problems are. Right. Right. When, when we do our sales training, we ask people to discuss their pain. And the sophisticated ones talk about their pain and their gain. Mm-hmm. We're only restricting them to what they've figured out for themselves. Right. Yes. And, and they'll tell us, but they'll also tell all of our competitors. So every proposal that restricts their, themselves to the known pain and the known gain is going to look exactly alike. How many times have you seen a vice president at some customer company saying, I got three proposals with three different logos, but it's the exact same proposal inside because nobody differentiated. If you understand the customer's business in a deeper, more insightful way, and you understand your differentiation can deliver some additional outside of what the customer knew to ask sort of outcomes, and you add those outcomes onto the scales of justice, yes. now your proposal weighs more because there's more stuff there. Beautiful. And Right? So yeah, yeah. if you can't understand their business, you can't sell the unanticipated pain or the unanticipated gain because your customer only knew what to tell 
you, which is the exact same thing they're telling all your competitors. So you're, you are, if you are super compliant to what the customer says they're asking for, mm. you're, you've already lost the game. Oh, this is so good. This is oh, what a great discussion. And I just, you know, I'm just thinking that as you're bringing those additional factors, those additional outcomes to the table, not only are you putting more weight on that, that plate uh, on yep. that side, you're also extending the bar at the same time because yep. that insight that you're bringing to the table is, uh, is, is adding value in and of itself. Yeah. Now I want to put one more pitch in for the book, Radical Value. Yes, please do. So when one of your genius salespeople figures out one of those new outcomes and successfully puts it on the scales of justice, yes, there's got to be a tool. And I, I happen to have one and use whatever tool you want, but I, 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 can, I can give you one. Yeah. Um, but you have to have a tool in your company to capture what just went, hap- what just went on so that it's not just your genius people winning that one deal. It's your genius people winning that deal and then reporting back and turning it into materials that every one of the salespeople can now use. That the marketing people says, hey, you know what? We won because we have this unique differentiated feature. And so now there's marketing that is about an outcome that only you deliver. And so now if you have a system that takes that victory, that one-time victory and systematizes it, and socializes it and turns it into a, a continuous improvement scheme for your entire sales and marketing <laughs> machine. Now you're really doing something. Uh, Mark, you just you just teed up next week's podcast, which is all about uh, post-action briefing in sales and, and sitting down and going, why did we win? And really beginning to document that, make that part of your culture. So you just, um, you're reading the mind of the, the Revenue Growth Podcast right now. But uh, man, I got to say, I'm, I'm so thankful um, for, first of all, our new friendship and also for the book, Radical Value. And, and I'm, I'm so excited about the value that it's going to add um, to our community, to, to everybody. So um, any final words of wisdom as, as we get ready to land the plane on this week's episode? Well, um, there's the, yes. Um, I have, one of the reasons I wrote the book is because as important as value is and understanding mm-hmm. customer outcomes is, I can tell you with absolute certainty, having interviewed and interacted with over a hundred consultants in every one of the major sales methodologies, those outcomes, understanding customer outcomes is the thing salespeople are worst at. And it's, so the most important thing is the thing salespeople are worst at. So don't, if you're a sales executive and this seems obvious to you, I can tell you based on probably over a hundred thousand different opportunities that have Mm -hmm. been reviewed by a hundred different sales consultants in multiple different methodologies, don't take it for granted because you stink at it. Not only that, but your board of directors is just as bad. McKinsey did some research and said, you know, do you understand the value your customer bring, your company brings to its customers? 75% of the time they couldn't answer. So it is a company-wide failing. So um, I'm kind of passionate about turning that, those ratios upside down. And that's, that's what I'm, that's why I did this. I absolutely love it, Mark. Go get a copy of Radical Value. We appreciate you investing in in our podcast group. Um, And this is going to be fantastic. By the way, 
Um, two things as we get ready to, to, to uh, end this week's conversation. Number one is make sure to subscribe to this podcast because we have a fantastic list of guests getting ready to come up uh, and you're going to love the conversations that are going to happen in the weeks to come. Um, and as well, if you want to get a hold of Mark, we'll definitely put all the contact information in the show notes as well as a link to the book. And last but not least, would you be so kind as this is a new podcast to help us spread the word and the best way you can help us spread the word is leave a review. If you're listening on your Apple podcast app, just look for that review thing at the bottom, Stitcher, Spotify, they all have reviews. We really appreciate that. But until next week, as we always say, let's get going and let's get growing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Would you like to get complimentary access to the Revenue Growth Engine audiobook? Just text the word REVENUE to 21000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book. You'll get instant access to the audiobook so you can get ideas to help you grow your revenue so you can scale your impact. Text the word REVENUE to 21000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book to get instant access. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found ideas to help you drive exponential revenue growth so your business can make more of an impact. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to like or subscribe. It also helps us spread the word if you'd be kind enough to leave a review. Of course, we'd love it if you would share this with your friends. Together, we are growing revenue so we can scale our impact.